Hello, 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 and welcome to Courageously Kind. I'm Maddie. And I'm Liz. We're twin sisters and best friends. Together, we share stories of especially kind humans doing especially kind things in hopes that these conversations motivate and inspire you to be kinder to yourself and others. When we're not speaking with an incredible guest, we'll speak directly from our hearts about what it means to us to be courageously kind. This week, we're joined with a wonderful teacher and mentor of ours, Sister Bridget O'Mahony. We talk about her beautiful story of, of spirituality and religion for her and her journey to becoming a Catholic nun. We also talk about things like love and humility, concepts that span farther than just Catholicism and even Christianity. Without further ado, here's Sister B. First question, and I feel like this question, anybody who is clergy is asked this question, but we have to ask it. Um, Did you hear a calling from God? And when did you decide that religious life was for you? I did hear a calling from God. That's interesting that you phrase it that way, because a vocation is really God calling an individual to himself. And it comes at different times. You know, individuals don't choose a vocation. A vocation chooses them. Mm. And for different people, it comes at different times. But for me, it came when I was very, very, very young, just a little child. And I think I just always knew that God was calling me to himself. I always knew that when I grew up, I was going to be a sister. There was never, ever any question about it. There was some hesitancy when I got older, (laughs) thinking, hmm, (laughs) do I really want to do this? But in terms of sensing his presence and his call, that started when I was just first able to even articulate such a concept. Wow. I know. It was really amazing. That's really cool. It was really amazing. It was absolutely as clear and as definitive and as peaceful as one could ever imagine. It was like I had a best friend from the time I was very, very, very small. When, I, As a matter of fact, when I was very little and I would go to bed at night, I would sleep on the very edge of my bed so that God could have the rest of it so he could get some rest. Ooh, sister. <laughs> that is too stinking cute. Is that not cute? It was adorable. You think of a child, you know. I just wanted him to have some place where he, too, could get some sleep. Now, that's a child's understanding of God. Mm-hmm. But that it was that close. We were that close. So you grew up Catholic. I did. I did grow up Catholic. I went to Catholic schools all of my life. Um, I, I, yeah. Cool. Yeah. I love it. So we're going to kind of go in a different direction here. Okay. Um, but we really wanted your insight on this mm. question. And it is, how do you feel about the saying spiritual but not religious? Yeah, I hear that so often, and I I do value that 
what people are saying, even though I'm not sure they always know what they're saying. Mm-hmm. Um, I think spiritual is a quest. It's people feeling, recognizing, knowing that they're searching, they're seeking the divine. And so when they feel that desire, they'll call it spirituality. Now, they don't know what road to take. They don't know how to satisfy that hunger, but they can feel it. Religion is more the path to fulfilling that unrequited desire for the divine, for God. And various religions will effectively say to people, come this way, come this way, come this way. Uh, As Christians, when you think of Christianity as a religion, what we understand is that Jesus said this, I am the way, I'm the path. All that you desire, all that you seek can be found in me and by following me. So I do understand what people are talking about when they say I'm not I'm spiritual but I'm not religious. I think what they're doing is they're suggesting in terms of religious, you know, the ways, the roads that I have been offered do not seem to be the roads I want to take mm-hmm. to fulfill my desire for God. Mm-hmm. And I just encourage people, well, you know, try them out. How do you know where a path leads until you try it? You may find that it's a dead end. You may find that it leads nowhere. Go back and take another path. As Christians, we are saying to people, we have found the path, the way Mm -hmm. to the Father, and it's Jesus. Mm -hmm. So I do understand what they're saying. Mm -hmm. Do you think so? I think so. Thank you. To follow up with that, why do you think people choose not to be religious? Well, I think people are discouraged with religion Mm. because religion on one level offers something and then they anticipate that they're going to get what they're looking for, they get involved in the religion, and what they were hoping for is not there. Sometimes it's quite the opposite. You know, people intuit just because of the way God made us, that God is love. Mm -hmm. And so they're seeking a path to this love, to this union with the Lord, they'll get involved in a religion, and when they find that in that religion there are so many things that are contrary to love, it is for them extremely discouraging. And sometimes it makes them bitter. Mm -hmm. And so they end up throwing the baby out with the bath. Correct. That may not be the religion or the path that they should follow, but they shouldn't throw God away. But because the religion says we represent God, and then the God they find in a particular religion is angry or hostile or judgmental or critical or abusive, then they throw God away too. Mm. So I think religion has done 
in some, in many cases, um, an unfortunate job of representing God. Mm. And and people see that, they feel it, they experience it, and they reject it. Mm. I just don't think that many people are rejecting God. I think they're rejecting the presentation or the representation of God mm. that they're getting from different religious groups. Yeah. So how do we clear up these misconceptions and these misrepresentations? I think for those of us that um, ourselves are seekers and seek to know God, there is one thing we can know for sure about God. God is love. And if everything we do and everything we think and every motivation in our heart is one of love, then that love just exudes out of us and and it, it shines out of us. And in that, people can encounter and experience who God really is. So, you know, it sounds simplistic, even though it's not easy to do. But if we could really commit ourselves to being transformed into people that truly love that will overcome all of the other stuff that people get tangled up in, distracted by. You know, so much religion is ideology now. Mm-hmm. People's opinions, their, you know, strongly held beliefs about whatever. And they want to impose that on everyone around them. People don't want to be imposed upon. They want to be loved. <laughs> so I, I, I think for those of us who follow the Lord and desire to reflect him to others, there is only one way to do that, and that's love. I love it. Do you love it? I love it. <laughs> Our next question is, do you think that, you know, by this point in, in time in history, there's so many different religions? Mm-hmm. Do you think it's possible for us all to coexist peacefully? Do you think it's possible for all of us to sort of live in a world with so many religions? Or are we kind of branching off into too many different sects. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I don't know that it's the diversity of the religious groups that's the problem. It's the um, lack of tolerance Mm. in religious groups for one another. But if we just went back to, I'm going to love my neighbor as myself, um, we would get along just fine. Mm -hmm. You know, most of the religions including Christianity, have at their core loving people. But translating that to how we live (laughs) seems to be a bit of a challenge. I mean, the very heart of Christianity is love, Mm -hmm. and it's the hardest thing in the world is to get Christians to love people. (laughs) It's like, hmm, did you miss that page? (laughs) 
So the diversity that exists among religions is easily, easily dealt with when we love and value and respect and recognize that every single person on earth has been created and made in the image of God. And we, you know, we, we grant them that awesome dignity. Well, ideally, that's great, but trying to live a life that way really requires that we are really connected to the Lord because that's how he feels about people. It really shouldn't be a problem that people have diverse beliefs. That should not be a problem at all, but apparently it is. And I think that's just a lack of love. Yeah. And and I also think it's a lack of humility. Mm. <laughs> that's a key. Yeah. That really is a key. That really is a key. How can we how can we practice humility in our lives? Um you know, a lot of people have talked about what humility is and I I've forgotten who it is that said you know, humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. Oh, I love that. I and love and I, th- that. I think if we, you know, really begin to practice and absorb and grasp gratitude mm-hmm. and the lowliness of Christ himself, who though he was God, made himself human, and, and the lowliness and the humility of the Holy Spirit who is always descending, not ascending, but descending. Mm-hmm. And if we really begin to grasp that our trajectory in life is not up the ladder of success, but down the ladder mm-hmm. to you know utter and complete dependency on, on Christ himself, if we really followed the scriptures that said never ever think of yourself as better than another person ever even the least that we see in society you know it it's something that you practice and it's something that if you desire the lord is more than happy to begin to work that virtue humility is is the root of all the other virtues mm. Every other virtue in the in our life, in the Christian life, finds finds its sap in the virtue of humility because it really bespeaks, it is the virtue of Christ Himself. And as we're transformed into his image, you know, it's it's going to be a life of humility. So it's an action of the Holy Spirit, it's grace and it's desire. I don't know how many, you know, if you ask a kid, what do you want to be when you grow up? Most of them will tell you, you know, a doctor, professional, baseball player, uh, mm-hmm. scientist, uh, whatever. How many kids say, what do you want to be when you grow up? I want to be humble. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We but, you know, decide. when I grow up, I want to be humble. I love that, sister. It makes so much sense. Mm-hmm. Love and humility. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Love it. Sister, we could talk to you all day. This, I mean, we could sit here and record literally all day with you. Um, but thank you so much 
You're so welcome. Thank you for coming in and, and chatting. It was it was our pleasure. It was our honor. You are such a joy to speak with. Thank, Thank you. you so much. I love you. We love you, too. <laughs> We'd like to give a huge thank you to Anna Waltz Landscape Contracting for their support of Courageously Kind. Anna Waltz is a family-owned landscape contracting company in Berks County that has served Pennsylvania for over 35 years. If you're ready to get your landscaping project started, visit AnnaWaltzLandscape.com or call 610-916-7070. Anna Waltz Landscape Contracting, beautifying Pennsylvania one yard at a time. Thank you so much for listening. If you like this episode, feel free to share it with your friends, your family, or anyone you think might like it too. And if you want to support the show, leave us a review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. It really does help. Or check out our merch store at CourageouslyKind.org. Take good care, and we'll see you back here real soon.